Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent who dreams for their child and every child who dreams for their future, I say these words to you tonight. I am with you. I will fight for you. And I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you.
I just, I, 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 you know, I hope and I think that we're going to get real stuff done here. Like this isn't just a publicity stunt. We're going to get real. We're, this is going to, this is going to help our country, you know, get this done with North Korea. Trump is going to do it. I believe, you know, I believe so. Uh, I believe so too. Uh, you know, he has, Trump has this skill and the way he utilizes you know, his, his ventures and his, uh, you know, what, what he wants to accomplish, what he wants to get done. And he, he always makes it happen. And I've said it on my show many times. Trump is a doer. This guy is a miracle worker. This guy creates the impossible. We've never seen a president ever like him in the history of politics. He's something out of heaven that God gave us. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's beautiful. It really is. It truly is um, something to uh, be very proud of. And I want to play this clip real quick. Uh, he's getting ready uh, for the uh, North Korea. He spoke about it today at 2-5. What are you doing to prepare for the summit with North Korea? I think I'm very well prepared. I don't think I have to prepare very much. It's about uh, attitude. It's about uh, willingness to get things done. But I think I've been preparing for the summit for a long time as has the other side. I think they've been preparing for a long time also. So this isn't a question of preparation. It's a question of whether or not people want it to happen. And we'll know that very quickly. Well, it's going to be much more than a photo op. I think it's a process. I've told you that many times before. I think it's not a one-meeting deal. It would be wonderful if it were. You know, they've been doing this for a long time. There's been a lot of enemies out there, a lot of a lot of dislike, a lot of hatred between countries. And this will not be uh, just a photo op. This will be, at a minimum, uh, we'll start with perhaps a good relationship, and that's something that's very important toward the ultimate making of the deal. I'd love to say it could happen in one deal. Maybe it can. They have to denuke. If they don't denuclearize, uh, that will not be acceptable. Uh, we cannot take sanctions off. The sanctions are extraordinarily powerful. We cannot, and I could add a lot more, but I don't, I've chosen not to do that at this time, uh, but that may happen. Uh, by the way, with Iran, we're uh, adding tremendously powerful sanctions. They understand that very well. I think Iran already is not the same country. If you look, I don't think they're looking so much to the Mediterranean like they were two months ago. So it's a big difference. It was number one nuclear, but also out of it, you also get the side benefit that Iran is a different place. And we'll see what happens, and maybe ultimately something will happen with Iran. But uh, for our meeting next week, I think it's going to be a very fruitful meeting. I think it's going to be an exciting meeting. I think we're going to get to know a lot of people that our country never got to know. This is something that should have been handled many years ago by other presidents. It shouldn't be handled now. It should have been handled years ago. But it is being handled now, and I'll take care of it. Thank you very much. So there you have it. President Trump, you know, I mean, the guy is as slick as they get in this uh, lifetime. And uh, the deals and the negotiations and, the, and, the, and things he has done over his lifetime – I mean, it's all brilliant strategy, and it's so profound. I mean, he has, and I've said this many times, the, the, one of the many reasons he's successful in business and, you know, been so 
uh, well-known and such a big figure and everybody liked, you know, for the most part. I mean, everybody loved him. But now all of a sudden he becomes president and there's certain people that don't like him anymore. Uh, and it doesn't make any sense. But, but here, here's the thing. You know, he just has a way with people. He can get people into a room. He can gather people together. He can get people talking to each other. He can get people, you know, uh, I mean, I mean he's, been, he's been doing it. I mean, he's been, he's been proving um, everybody wrong with all of the, you know, foreign deals he's been getting done and completing, I mean, constantly. We're, we're making agreements with new countries every other day. I mean, every, I mean Trump is opening the market and, and making such lucrative opportunities for us. And, you know, Trump has this Kim Jong-un uh, trip uh, figured out. He has it, you know, in his mind. He knows what he's doing. He, he knows he has a plan. He's going to take it slow. He's going to, you know, uh, probably test Kim Jong-un a little bit, see what, you know, see what's going, kind of, you know, and, and probably get some information from Rodman because Rodman has been over there. Dennis Rodman has been over there seven, like five or six times. Uh, he's the first American to ever meet Kim Jong-un. So I'm sure Trump will uh, get some information from Rodman on, you know, Kim Jong-un is like and stuff like that. But, um, and, and, you know, as we know, Rodman will be present there. Um, but I think, you know, this is, this is, this is going to open up a lot of doors because Kim Jong-un begged and cried uh, to, for Trump to come back to the table. Kim Jong-un economy is in desperate, uh, desperation mode. They're having a lot of problems, hence why they want to sit down with President Trump. I mean, that and, and many other reasons. Uh, and they also know that their demands and their whines and their, their childish antics aren't going to work with uh, President Trump. It may have worked with Barack Hussein Osama, but uh, we're in a new era. It's, there's a new sheriff in town. Uh, Mike Zolo, thank you for joining no, us in New I... Jersey. How you doing, man? What's going on, man? How are you? My co-host, Mike Zolo, as always, buddy. Good to have you. Um, but Rory, yeah, let, me, you know, let, me, you hear... let me give a quick – let me give a – quick take on that just go ahead i really like how i really like how trump was you know spoke especially with the iran deal spoke about how this should have been done many you know many many years ago and he's absolutely right and it's it's so refreshing to have a president office that isn't so you know doesn't have a weird ulterior you know negative america agenda like he's actually trying to get stuff done you know this isn't a let's see how long we can make this last so that, you know, we yeah. can make it look like you tried real, real hard and then nothing happened. You know, he's, he's you know, it's, it's, how long has he been in office for? He's already getting to this stuff. It's crazy. I know. He's, I mean, he's fulfilled in one year, and I've said it many times, 70% of his agenda in one year. 7-0. It's amazing. No, most presidents, when they leave office after eight years, don't even fulfill 10% of their agenda or, or their promises. Um. Zolo, I know you want to respond. Well, on North Korea, you have to understand one thing. We're fine with or without them, okay? They're the ones that are going to be screwed if they keep acting up. Obviously, we would prefer that they got rid of all the nuclear weapons. They need us more than we need them. Absolutely. Obviously, we would prefer everything went well and they would abide by uh, our rules and, you know, protect, uh, you know, and not threaten Japan and and all, you know, these other countries. Um, But at the end of the day, Trump has all the cards, man. Trump's going to say, listen, he'll be nice and cordial. 
And he's only bringing Dennis Rodman as a show of respect because Trump knows how to go to meetings and deal with, with powerful people. He knows how to bring respect and show that he's serious. By him bringing Dennis Rodman, for some reason, <clears throat> Kim Jong-un is obsessed with Dennis Rodman, pornography, and cheese. Those are his three things, and I'm not joking. Um, so Trump is showing a huge sign of respect by bringing Dennis Rodman to say, hey, we're serious. I brought Dennis Rodman, the guy you really love and respect, so let's start talking. But at the end of the day, if, if Kim Jong-un isn't going to be serious, it's his problem. Because we could decimate them so quickly. It would be a war and it would be, you know, we would lose people. But at the end of the day, it wouldn't even really be that serious because North Korea cannot take on the United States. So I think the meeting is going to go really well. I think Trump will get no credit, as usual, from the left wing media. Um, I do think it'll go well. I do think Kim Jong-un and his generals and all the people that had you know, supposedly advise him. I mean, he's a communist who really advises the guy. But I think they're telling him, hey, man, Trump is unpredictable. This isn't Obama. This isn't uh, George Bush. This is this guy is, you know, he's unpredictable. He's strong and he doesn't care. So you got to start yeah. doing the right thing. And I think I think it's going to go really well. And again, he'll get no credit, but it will be one of the biggest things in a um, a president has ever accomplished in American history. Oh, it's gonna it's gonna be absolutely um, historic, absolutely unbelievable. Um, it, it's gonna be something that, you know, this this will go down as the biggest, perhaps the biggest event in, in political history. This is something that um, you know we've been um, never seen. I mean, this is this is surreal. This is out of a movie. I mean, and, and Kim Jong Un and and Trump are going to sit down and, you know, discuss all of this and, you know, negotiate a deal and have peace and have all these doors open up because economically we could benefit from each other and, you know, we have them as an ally. I mean, there's so many positives and benefits that go into this. I'm surprised and I'm pissed off and I'm angry that other presidents you know, didn't try hard enough in the past to take this action and initiative because they could have. If they were strong uh, and, and had a backbone like Trump did, they, they, this could have been uh, done a long time ago, just like he says. So, you know, it, it's this is, this is amazing. This is, there, there's no other word to describe it. Amazing. Well, well you got to understand something also, that <clears throat> Trump is not like other presidents. Trump is a uh, lifelong billionaire businessman. So... George Bush and Barack, I mean, Barack Obama is not only incompetent, he's evil and was on the wrong team. He wasn't on our team, meaning America's. But you have to understand, Donald Trump is used to making huge deals. He's used to meeting with foreign leaders. May not have been presidents when he was doing it, but it was powerful, powerful, powerful people from many different right. countries. So right. honestly, it's not just because I'm part of Trump's base and I'm in massive Trump supporter, I think it's going to be rather easy for uh, Donald Trump. I really don't think it's going to be anything crazy. Um, I think at the end of the day, if it doesn't work out, I think Trump will um, strangle them economically on sanctions. He'll strangle China with trade, um, and then China will be forced to pressure North Korea. So at the in the end, it's going to work. And I really don't think Trump's worried. I mean, obviously, Trump's worried about a communist with 
weapons, but I really don't think Trump is, is, is nervous to do this meeting. I, I think it, I think he could do it rather easily. I, I think Trump is brilliant. He's a master uh, strategist. He strategizes everything. He, he, um, in his brain, in his mind, I was reading that uh, before he makes big deals and does big meetings, he actually um, plays in his head every single possible scenario. So the guy is a genius. If, if Kim Jong-un and North Korea, Korea say one thing, he already has the answer. If they say another thing, he already has a different answer to come back to that. He has thought of every single response they will give, every single bullshit answer that they'll give, and he'll know how to, how to uh, talk to them at the table. The guy is brilliant. He really is a genius. And the left, um, they keep underestimating him, but that's going to be the biggest mistake the Democrat Party has ever done because the guy really is uh, a true genius. He, he strategizes everything, and he's a master strategist. He really is. So he knows what he's doing. He knows every possible outcome, and it will be rather easy, in my opinion, for him. Very, very well said, Zello, and you're absolutely right. He's, a, he's, he's an absolute uh, such a profound, I mean, strategically, he's so profound. I mean, he's so, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's something that is, is quite phenomenal. The, uh, the expertise and, and talents that uh, Trump has, because he's definitely a man that is one of a kind. You know, you don't find these people, you find these people very rarely in life. These people that can do what Trump can do. I mean, his strengths, his, his courage, his, his, I mean, he, it's unbelievable. Really, it's, it's remarkable. I, I do want to I do want to welcome to the show uh, Valerie Greenfeld, uh, international security expert, Islamic historian, uh, best-selling author, and um, and you're doing a lot of stuff in D.C. as well. Political strategist. Thank you. Yeah, especially tonight with the cat. I don't know if you guys want yeah, to but it's a big deal here. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, the Capitals, of course. Yeah, they. Um, yeah, it's a big game. Um, if, the oh, last, if, the, if, they win, if, if they win tonight, they win the Stanley Cup, correct? I don't follow yes, off too much. Yes, right. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. right. Very, well, I guess you don't very have to cool. talk you out that way. Okay, so real quick, guys. Um, big announcement today. The DOJ report is going to come out about Hillary's emails on Trump's birthday. I mean, this, I mean, this is exciting. Zolo, you and I texted back and forth about this earlier. And, uh, you know, this is, is – I think there's going to be something quite uh, – there's going to be a lot of stuff that's quite revealing, and, and uh, we're going to be kind of blown away, I'm sure. But I want to play the clip real quick, and then we're going to talk about it. Oh, yeah. This is another Fox News alert. We expect we will find out one week from today what the Justice Department Inspector General has determined about the FBI investigation into Hillary Clinton's email scandal. Chief Intelligence Correspondent Catherine Harris with us tonight. She's got some breaking details. Good evening, Catherine. Well, thank you, Shannon. This is the firmest state yet from Inspector General Michael E. Horowitz with his report examining the FBI and Justice Department's actions leading up to the 2016 election. The original mandate focused on the Clinton email case, but the title of the congressional hearing suggests the scope may be broader. This comes as the push and pull over another set of secret government records intensifies. Just after midnight, a senior Justice Department official told reporters that DOJ would offer congressional leadership, known as the Gang of Eight, another briefing and access to FBI confidential source records Monday or Tuesday next week. 
Requested by House Intelligence Committee Chairman Devin Nunes, working alongside Oversight Committee Chairman Trey Gowdy, the records are now subject to a congressional subpoena. They are expected to shed more light on allegations an FBI confidential source contacted Trump campaign aides in the early stages of the Russia case. Multiple congressional sources told Fox the documents were promised for this morning, but the Justice Department backed out. House Speaker ago. Paul Ryan. What we're asking for and what we require no, no. and we expect is the corroborating documents that back up that oral briefing. Go away. And last night they could have brought it to us today and they chose to do it next week. That doesn't help. Traitor. The Justice Department official also acknowledged the records were not available to lawmakers at the last session two weeks ago, adding, quote, the department and FBI are prepared to brief members on certain questions specifically raised by the speaker and other members. The department will also provide the documents that were available for review but not inspected by the members, along with some additional material. At his weekly news conference, the speaker said he fully supports his congressional investigators and expressed frustration. It shouldn't take a speaker of the House to have to get involved every one of these times to get the Department of Justice or any department in the executive branch to comply with congressional oversight requests. Democrats dismissed the president's spy allegations and defended special counsel Robert Mueller. There's no evidence of a spy collusion. Let's wait to find out what Mueller finds out. And everyone should leave him alone and let him get to the bottom and hear what he has to say. The House Intelligence Committee's ranking Democrat said the Justice Department offer was fraught with risk, citing the ongoing Russia case. Quote, the further disclosure of investigative materials is inexplicable. The DOJ is now reinforcing a precedent it will have to live with, whether the Congress is in Republican or Democratic hands. Former Justice Department officials said the struggle comes down to powerful competing interests, robust congressional oversight versus the department's need to protect ongoing investigations, Shannon. Catherine Harridge, thank you very much. So there you have it. Wow. Wow. Jesus Christ. Solo, go ahead. I am just, first of all, I just have to say this. I, I, I know that's not the main thing of the video, but Paul Ryan. Is, Fuck, is I, God, I, I can't stand him. I, I, I mean, what is going on here that the, the Republican He's a Speaker traitor. of the House, you know, this guy, by the way, is supposed to be the president's right-hand man. Hey, real quick, Zola, real quick, Zola, yes, real yes. quick. Paul Ryan is all, also put out a cheap late. He's trying to put out a cheap labor amnesty bill. Uh, he's, he's, putting, he's putting it on fast track, and it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, Paul Ryan can't be any more of a rhino, but continue. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was, I was just uh, – I just saw that before, actually. Yeah, he is the definition of a rhino. He is a fake Republican. This guy is playing on the other uh, side, meaning the Democrats. I, I, he's I playing with Chucky e. uh, Schumer. Absolutely. I mean, in any if, – if any other president – which would be a Republican, Jeb Bush, Ted Cruz, I don't care, you name them. If, that, if what is going on uh, to Trump was going on to them with a fake investigation, a psychotic left-wing media, Paul Ryan would be out there every day defending that president. But since it's Donald Trump who is against the establishment, he is out there, and he has bashed this president more than he ever bashed Obama. And I'm getting really sick and tired of these fake phony Republicans like Paul Ryan. I know he's, ret he's retiring and he's leaving, but these Jeff Flakes, all these people got to go, and it's up Don't to us. Don't think Paul Ryan won't be dangerous on the outside. He'll be working behind the scenes. 
Of course, he'll be more. He'll be more dangerous. He'll 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 be more dangerous. He will be working with candidates, and he'll try to push and try to get other candidates elected that will go against President Trump. But I just want everyone to understand what Trump has to deal with on a daily basis. Do you know what this president has to deal with? The FBI under Barack Obama spied on this president and his campaign to try and bring him down so Hillary Clinton can become president. And we have the freaking Speaker of the House, who's supposed to be a Republican. Hold on yeah. one second. Hold on one second. Go, go ahead, Rory. I'll, I'll give me one second. All right, I'm welcoming yeah, you. Yeah, hey, I'd like to show. I want to, uh, real quick, go I want to welcome our big guest, hedge fund manager, financial expert, venture, ca- venture capitalist, entrepreneur, best-selling author and founder of Bullseye Capital. He's also been featured in Entrepreneur Magazine, Investor Daily, and the Wall Street Journal. Mr. Joel Block, how are you, sir? Hey, guys. How are you? It's good to have you. Good to have you on, sir. Thanks. Uh, well, thank, we, thanks very much. Nice to be here. We have, we have a lot going on. We definitely want to talk to you uh, about, uh, you know, what you have going on. I want to talk to you a lot about the financial uh, industry, a lot about the economy and what's currently going on because you're an expert at that. Um, but we were we were just talking about Zolo. Are are you still there? Yeah, I'm there, man. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, so what we were talking about, Joel, we were we were just talking about real quick and kind of wrapping it up. Um, was the the do the DOJ um, is going to be releasing, um, you know, the Hillary Clinton uh, IG the IG report on Donald Trump's birthday. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of st- stuff that's going to be, I think, blow our minds, like going to be very revealing. I mean, the fact that it's coming out on his birthday, I think, I mean, there's something, there's something, there's something going on. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably is, probably is. It's, um, you know, Zolo, but re- real quick, Joel, I'm going to get right back to you. But Zolo, you were saying, you, know, you, you were saying something right as Joel was calling uh, in. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, uh, what I'm saying is people have to realize what President Trump is dealing with on a daily basis. Not only is he dealing with the obstructionist, treasonous Democrats who won't even appoint the rest of his, um, his cabinet and all his people, but he's got to deal with Paul Ryan. It is a known fact that the Obama, Obama and the DOJ, he weaponized the DOJ, the FBI, to spy on the Trump campaign. This is not a conspiracy theory. Obama weaponized those government institutions to try and prevent him from being president to try and bring him down so hillary can become president and paul ryan the speaker of the house who's supposed to be the president's right-hand man a so-called republican is out there bashing him saying the fbi did the right thing donald trump is a blessing because any other president would not be able to to deal with this where his own party and the speaker of the house is going against him and saying the fbi did nothing wrong this is absolute insanity what this president is dealing with. It is, it is unheard of. And Paul Ryan would be defending any other Republican president that, had a, that would have a witch hunt going against them like Donald Trump is facing every single day. It's absolutely absurd, and I'm sick and damn tired of it. Excuse me. Wow. Sorry. <laughs> well said. Very, very well said. Okay, Mike. I, okay. Very well said. Um, you know, Joel, um, I want to. I really want to get. I really want you. You know, you've been on the show before. I, uh, 
I, I, I want to hear, I want you to tell everybody about your background. You know, you have a very uh, great resume. You know, you, you, you've been in the, you've been very successful. You, you've done a lot of amazing things and, uh, you know, done a lot of different business ventures in your life. Um, so please, uh, you know, uh, enlighten, you know, enlighten the audience and, uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, what yeah, well, uh, yeah, well, listen, I mean, first, you know, listen, um, I, I started in the CPA business at Price Waterhouse as a youngster doing tax work. And then I, you know, was involved in some real estate transactions there left and started doing my own real estate transactions and, and I fell into a venture capital transaction. So they've always been, you know, in the money on the money side. And everything I've always done has always been on the money side. So, you know, it's um, it's been pretty consistent. I've done uh, probably 40 deals or so in, in my career. I've raised uh, quite a lot of money. And, uh, you know, maybe most important recently is that I've taught, uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of other people, guys that are sophisticated real estate guys, how to raise capital and really how Wall Street, you know, raises money and really how the money works on the inside. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, listen, my insights give companies the inside track, and we call that profit from the inside, you know, profit from the inside uh, insights that I have and bring to the table. So, you know, I speak to companies, and that's that's a big part of what I do. And then talk to guys like you, and we just you know, kick ideas around. I love it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I have, I have various, you know, you're like me. You have various businesses, and, you know, it's, you know, we do different projects and businesses, and, you know, different, it, it's a fun, it's fun. And I love being, you know, an entrepreneur and, and doing different things. And, you know, you've done, you know, you've done so many things in your life and, um, you know, Kurt, you know, you're, you did venture capitalist, venture capital for a long time. You were a venture capitalist. Uh, you did a lot of hedge fund stuff. Um, you know, uh, please share, uh, you know, you know, a lot of your different projects because, you know, uh, well, you know, look, you know, uh, listen, hedge fund, venture capital, they're all the same. You know, they, they just are yeah, different absolutely. parts of the same business, you know. So right. um, it's right. really important, you know, when you're when you're telling people how exciting and how fun this, this business is, it's a great and fun business when it's working. When it's not working, mm-hmm. it is a pretty rough business. So I don't want people to quit their day job and say, God, that sure sounds like a fun thing. I'm going to go give that a try. But, you know, I mean, look, the entrepreneur business is a risky business. It affects your family. It affects your, uh, you know, it affects your, your kids and your spouse and, and everybody else. And, you know, listen, for some people it's an awesome thing to do, but it's not for everybody. So I just want to put the disclaimer out there. Uh, if you're going to do it, get some help, do it right, make it work, and don't take risks that you can't afford to take. So so that being said, um, you know, my, my probably my first really significant – well, we did a bunch of real estate deals, and, and so those were kind of my first deals. But – and I fell into this venture capital situation. Me and another guy invented the concept of delivering stock quotes to investors by fax in 1990. So, you know, as you can imagine, boy, that was a long time ago. But we went and got uh, a great amount of uh, capital. We got um, 35 of the nation's, nation's largest newspapers, including uh, you guys are in Arizona, right? We got the Arizona Republic. Uh, you know, well, we I'm in, almost I'm, every... I mean, I'm I'm in Arizona. My co- one of my co-hosts is out of New Jersey. I have another co-host out of oh. Florida. I have a co-host out of New York. So, and, uh, so we got the uh, in, 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 in uh, yeah. So we got um, Newark. We got the uh, we got the Newark paper. We got the New York papers. We got we got all the papers. We got we got everything. Every everybody was running our stuff, and so you know it really we made it happen. We went out there and. You know, we banged the street. I flew hundreds of thousands of miles. I got calluses on my butt from sitting in airplane seats, you know, but uh, I made it happen, and that's that's what it takes as an entrepreneur is it really, 
Uh, it's really more of a business about brawn than it is about brains. You've got to be willing to bang your knuckles on some doors and make them bleed. You know, and if you uh, if you can't do that, then it's probably not going to work out for you. So, you know, like anything, it's a business that's about selling. You got to sell. One hundred percent, absolutely. And it's yeah. all about execution. Go ahead. And, no, and it's nice to have a and it's nice to have a president who believes you did build that instead of Obama believes you didn't build that. <laughs> you know, one of the things that always cracked me up, you know, is, um, well, you know, it's not really all you're, uh, you're doing because the country built the roads that you drive on, and if they didn't have roads, you couldn't have built your business. Well, you know, I don't know. That's kind of, to me, that's kind of a stretch. But that's, uh, there are a lot of people that feel like uh, I didn't do what I did because I drove on the roads that were built by other people. And, you know, I, I certainly did drive on those roads, but I also paid taxes toward those roads. And, you know, and as we all do, you know, and some of us, some of us do a better job of uh, using the tools than other people. You know, listen, I don't know if you guys are handy, carpenters or whatever. There are people that are magnificent. They can take a piece of wood and they can turn it into a magnificent thing. They can take a, a stack of bricks and turn it into a beautiful backyard or a beautiful wall or whatever. I can't do that, you know, but I did take uh, the tools that were available to me and build businesses uh, that worked out. And, and so those are my skills. So, you know, we all have different skills and we have to, apply those skills in different ways. Yeah. I mean, 100%. And there's so much, you know, there's so much talent, you know, in the, in this world and there's so much opportunity, you know, there was a new um, article out the other day from um, CNBC, which is a very uh, popular uh, uh, economic ne- network. You know, it's a, it's very, it's very popular for a lot of uh, financial stuff. And what they said was, is there's more jobs there there's there's more jobs than there are people so i mean Mm. did you did you see that huge article there's literally i i gotta pull it up it it was it was absolutely you know i didn't i didn't didn't see that but you know i do know that uh, unemployment numbers are fantastic go ahead pulling it up right now there are there are six million seven hundred thousand job openings and just six million four hundred thousand available workers to fill them. Well, well, you know the last couple percent never gets filled. You know for whatever reason uh, they don't want to. They, you know they, there's just not a good match. I, I don't know what the reason is, but the last couple percent never seem to get filled. Unemployment never goes down to zero. So. You know, there's right. always people that are kind of loafing around doing something other than what we all wish they would be doing. Hey, you know, and I want to hear, and and I know I know my audience does as well. Um, you know, you you know about tariffs. You know, you know you you look into this stuff, and, and you know all about the, the the financial industry. What are your thoughts on on what Trump's doing with the tariffs? You know, I I, I tell you, uh, you know. I, I sold my company to a, a, a media company. So I, I know a little bit about how the media works. You know, I spent a lot of time inside of the media business. And, you know, when, when they all say the trade wars, there's a lot of hype. There's a lot of people trying to, you know, scare other people. And, you know, nobody wants to be out negotiated, but the truth is uh, they're all being out negotiated. And, and that's just the way that it works. I mean, the United States is a big powerhouse. And, you know, China, see, China's got a big, a big problem. You know, when, when a bank loans you $5,000 and you don't pay, you've got a big problem. But when they loan you $5 billion and, and you don't pay, the bank's got a big problem. 
And that's kind of where we're at right now. You know, China uh, keeps financing the United States of America. When we borrow money, you know, when we were kids, they used to say they turn on the printing presses. That's not true. They don't just turn on the printing presses. What they do is the Fed uh, goes to uh, the marketplace and says, look, we need a, we need a billion dollars uh, this week. So they sell a billion dollars of the bonds, and then there's uh, countries out there like China who has excess cash, and they go, we'll park some of that money in the United States. It's a safe place. So China's holding trillions of dollars of our debt. And you know, do you think China has any incentive to throw us into a, into a disastrous situation where we're in a trade war with them and we have all kinds of problems? Do you think they have any incentive to really injure us? They've got way too much at stake. They are the single biggest holder of our debt. Uh, anywhere on the planet, and, and they really are in a very delicate situation. They want to look like uh, like they're tough guys and everything, but the truth is, they better dance carefully, or they could find themselves on the uh, on the short end of the stick. Oh, absolutely, and, and you know, you know, Joel, it's um, it, it's very it's very interesting because we have a president who is. You know he's in charge. He, you know, he's the man. He calls the shots. I mean, he's perhaps the best business negotiator ever. You know, I mean, a lot of people say with a lot of what it, his deals and a lot of what he's done. I mean, he's definitely one of the top. Um, but with what he's achieved and with the the, the guidelines and you know uh, curriculum he's put together in terms of uh, making these deals with 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 foreign countries on getting our trade back, you know, in balance and, and even, and, and us, you know, uh, being the, the powerhouse that we're supposed to be. I mean, that's phenomenal. I mean, that takes a lot of skill and ability. And, you know, the fact that a president in the past didn't have the guts and didn't have the balls to, to face, you know, this sort of uh, deficit that, that, we're, that we're facing uh, with trade wars, uh, you know, it, it pisses me off that past presidents didn't take enough action on it. And President Trump is, well, is getting yeah. us back to so – he wants to get us back to surpluses. And in a lot of, in a lot of different categories, he is. I mean, he's, he's getting us into amazing uh, trade situations. And everybody said Trump's going to get us into a trade war. Nope. China just agreed, uh, and they're, gonna, they're coming up with a great agreement uh, to work together. And uh, there's no beef. There's no war. You know, I'll, I'll tell you something. Um, yes. Uh, you know, as much as I would like to give Americans the benefit of the doubt, we are not the sharpest tools in the shed. And the no, media knows no, we're, we're not. not so sharp. And, you know, I mean, a lot of our electorate uh, is not educated about these issues. The world's even complicated. Trump said I mean, China, even Trump said China's economic, you know, the people that run the economy there, are more cunning than our people. He, he used the perfect word. Yeah, well, that's that's the truth. But here's so here's the thing, is that, you know, People think that Trump's an idiot. They think he's a knucklehead. They think he's a, a bad negotiator. I mean, the truth is, I'm a professional negotiator. I do it for a living. You know, now I can't tell you I'm any Donald Trump, but I will tell you that I can watch. I see exactly what that guy's doing. I see exactly every minute you know, what he's doing, and he is five steps ahead of the rest of us. And nobody else knows what the hell's going on except for him. You know, I mean, it, it just the media they they don't know what's going on uh, behind the scenes. They pretend they do, but they do not. And and he just keeps um, he just keeps pulling rabbits out of the hat, and and I I think he's doing a good job. You know that's that's my opinion. I mean I'm not highly political, but I I think he's getting the job done for us in a big way. Hey, uh, this is this is Josh. Yeah, go here. ahead. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. So I had a, I had a, 
I had a quick question here. How big of an impact do you think uh, is is President Trump's impact about the way the economy and the unemployment rate is going? How big how big of an impact do you think that is of him, or do you think, as the media is saying, it's just something that was going to happen anyway? Well, I mean, look, that'd be like President Obama, you know, President Obama saying, "Well, I'm glad that uh, Kim Jong Un finally uh, agreed to have the meeting that we were talking about having." Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I mean. I mean, that's, you know, if you listen to the media, that's almost what they would do. You know, Donald Trump could uh, cure world hunger and they wouldn't give him credit for it. They'd say that we don't like the flavor of the food you gave us. You know, they, they'd find he something could, they didn't like cancer. about it. You know? He could cure cancer and they'd say, well, they want their cancer back. Or he could cure AIDS and they would say, well, what about diabetes? You know, I mean, they would always yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's no matter what, they, they have to find something wrong because they're, they're just so unhappy. I mean, we really, uh, we really live in a country where, uh, Things have have really not gone the American way. This is, you know, we're supposed to be able to talk to each other. Uh, we're supposed to be able to have hard conversations, listen, learn from one another. Uh, we're not doing a good job of doing that, and we really need to get back to a place where we can. But you know, on the question of uh, the economy, you know, economics is not like uh, biology and chemistry. It's not a science in the same way uh, as chemistry, where you know you you do something an apple drops uh, from the tree and it always goes down. I mean, that's, that's science, right? But in economics, it, it doesn't really work that way. It's really a behavioral science. So you're not so much concerned that the apple is going to drop from the tree. You're, you're concerned uh, it's going to land on some guy's head, and what's the guy going to do? Is he going to scream? Is he going to roll out of the way? Is, uh, is he going to get mad? I mean, what's the reaction? You know? And that's the thing about economics. It's behavioral. So when Donald Trump comes in, you know, my, my sense from looking at the charts the second that he comes in office, the market sails and it takes off and it goes up 20% over the next several months. You know, it's almost like, you know, the, the business community in the United States had all this pent-up demand. They really wanted the markets to go up, but they were afraid under the Obama administration because they kept kicking the can down the road with regulation, with other kinds of problems. And so Donald Trump comes in, he promises he's going to unwind a lot of stuff, which he did. And, and the, uh, the economic engine, it's like they took the lid off the pot and they just let a lot of steam out and the market just started going higher. Now, granted, uh, the market's back down to where it was in about uh, December, you know, give or take. It's, it's down a little bit. But that, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it went up so much that it had to level off somewhere and, and the steam had to kind of equalize and now it'll build up a little more steam and it'll keep going. And, and people, they really are kind of missing some of the points here because they're uh, there, I think the people are asking some of the wrong questions and they're looking at some of the wrong stuff. So, yeah, um, I mean, I, I have a, go ahead, Zillow. Yeah, I just had a quick question. Um, I'm really uh, strong on um, I'm anti-illegal immigration, uh, very, very strong. And uh, I was curious, uh, into your opinion, with Trump and um, his his fight against illegal immigration, um, how much of effect, would you agree with me that illegal immigration, for example, in Ohio uh, just recently, there was 120, I believe, illegal aliens that got uh, arrested at a landscaping company. Now, the way I look at it is I don't feel bad because now I feel like 120 or whatever Americans can have landscaping jobs and get paid higher wages. So, so with Trump's strong anti-illegal um, immigration stance, how much do you think that could help 
the economy because I feel like if you're a, uh, if you're for illegal immigration like the left is, the economy will just never get strong and wages will just continue to be stagnant and decreasing. Well, you know, listen, I, I think that it's a very complicated issue, number one. Uh, I don't really line up with you on this topic. Uh, I, I can't say that it's going to uh, destroy the economy uh, at all. You know, here's the thing is there are certain low-level jobs that Americans don't seem to want anymore. And, and so we have uh, a, an audience of people who's willing to do those jobs, and that would be pick fruit, uh, you know, run lawnmowers, I don't know, whatever the things are. You know, uh, there are low-end jobs that some people don't tend to want to, uh, to take. Now, I don't know how employers get away with hiring illegal people because it's illegal federally to hire illegal people. I mean, you're supposed to have a green card. You're supposed to have a citizenship, and you're supposed to check this. I don't know how these companies are doing these things or what they're doing, but I do not believe that, uh, that throwing a bunch of people out of the country is going to improve the economy. And it's going to, because you just, you just said there's not enough people for all the jobs that there are as it is. So if you throw all these people out, now you're going to have a whole bunch of more jobs and they're not the most desirable jobs. The people that you're going to be throwing out are doing jobs that are not highly desirable, and they're not high income. They're not high wage jobs to begin with. So, you know, we're, we're not talking about technology jobs where, uh, you know, we're not talking about highly educated PhDs from other countries that are clogging up our, our system. There, there's a whole other problem. You know, there's a lot of people uh, coming in from other countries that are taking uh, places in universities. That, for example, in my state in California, you know, we pay high state taxes, and those taxes go to the schools. Well, the schools are not taking California kids because they want the money from foreign kids, and so you know, it's very unfair to our to our families here in California. That's a bigger problem than than the people you're talking about. You know, you're talking about you know poor immigrants. You know, there are a lot of people that are very high class, high quality, uh, you know, people from other countries. And they're causing some problems, but we never talk about that. So, you know, we have to, you know, this is one of those issues where, you know, you, you pick your statistic and you kind of hang on it. But the truth is that, uh, you know, both sides can pick out a statistic that proves their point, And neither one of them ends up being right at the end of the day. Well, uh, like let, me, add- let me just, uh, just real quick, I'm sorry, I just want to, I mean, sure. the way I look at it, I guess you can say is rather simply, but. For me, I mean, I, I do admit that I am um, a little more right than uh, most people on illegal immigration. Uh, but, however, the way I look at it is I, I really don't care. I, I, I want Americans to have work, whether whether they're high-paying jobs, low-level low jobs. It doesn't matter to me. I, I'd rather young kids, young uh, African-Americans who – um, are really hurt by illegal immigration. I'd rather them work in the factories, say, than illegal aliens that were working in them in Tennessee where 200 of them got deported. So the way I look at it is just, so those 200 people got deported, now 200 Americans have jobs. Whether they're high-paying or not, they will get filled by Americans. So, so I just look at it, I guess, simpler. But um, you don't have to agree with me on immigration, but I do think it is a big problem. At, at the end of the day, illegal immigration, it's illegal, and we got to start worrying about yeah. America. Well, so, so that's the way. So, I let's, so, let, so let's let's put it like this. You know, if you if you commit a crime, and the government doesn't catch you in in two or four or six or seven years or whatever the statute of limitations is, after a while they can't go after you anymore. But that doesn't really apply to immigration. You know, to me, listen, these people got here. I'm not in favor of, of illegal immigration. I don't think anybody 
favors illegal immigration. But we've got 11 million people that are here. What are we going to do with those people? You know, those are the people. We can't just deport all these people. They have families. They have children that are in, in school. Uh, you know, we can't just, you know. And here's the thing. The reason that they're here is because we let our guard down and we didn't pursue them right away. We let this situation happen. It's our fault that it happened. So you can't blame the people for taking advantage of a situation that we created and made possible. And then we didn't enforce our laws. And now these people are here. And 10 years or 20 years later, you're going to start enforcing the laws. To me, uh, that just doesn't seem right. I mean, there's a certain amount of compassion that Americans need to uh, pay attention to, and going forward, absolutely, we need to be more careful. But we've got a problem with, with these, uh, you know, 11 million people that we've got to deal with in a reasonable way. Well, and the, well then, see, this is this is where I come in. I'm sorry. You're going to go right after no, me. Ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. This is where I come in, where I say, well, we're talking as if these 11 million illegals are saints. This is not true. This is not true. And many of these people are not good people. Many of these people so have, have not assimilated. Many of these people have not assimilated into our country. I work in the restaurant industry. I work with these people, man. These people, some of these people don't even attempt to speak English. They use Zolo, Zolo, do you have a lot of those people in the, Zolo, do you have a lot of those people in the restaurant? Do they work a lot in the restaurant in New Jersey, illegals? Yeah, New Jersey's filled with them. And let me tell you something. You can't even have a conversation with these people. These people have been here for 10, 15 years. They're driving uh, vehicles with, with fraudulent license or no license. I don't know. But you can't even have a conversation with them. Why haven't they attempted to speak English? So my whole pro- – and it's not that I'm disagreeing wholeheartedly with you. It's just that I'm in a certain business where, where these – I see these people, man. Some of, They're not even trying to, to be patriotic. They're not even trying. They hate our president. They say, oh, Trump sucks, and then they'll – and then you can't, that's all you can understand. They don't even attempt to speak English. And I'm not saying they're all like that. But then you have MS-13, and they have kids too. So what? They have kids, we can't deport them? So, well, if they're bad, get rid of them right away. I mean, I mean we okay. should have a very low tolerance for, uh, for bad behavior, for sure. Okay, and what, and what about ones that have been here for 10, 15 years, and they still don't know how to speak English, and they, and they don't really seem to try? Well, uh, you know, listen, that's not a crime. I mean, it, it, that's not the best attitude, but that's no, no, not a crime. No, no, but I'm not saying it's a crime. I'm not saying it's a crime. I'm saying that you said we have compassion, but why should I have compassion for, for DACA? Hello? It looks like we lost Zolo. Zolo. <laughs> did, we, did we lose Zolo? Mike? Right right in the middle of that rant. <laughs> <laughs> right in the middle, right in the middle of the rant. But Valerie, I know you wanted to say something to Joel, and then when Zolo comes back, he sure. can finish his rant. <laughs> Thank you. I'll start ranting where he left off. Um, okay. I wanted to make two comments about the about the immigrants. And for me, like um, like Joel was saying, I I don't necessarily think it's about the jobs. It's about the services. You know, the immigrants when they come in, in general, they don't have. Um, education and health care and all these things that we provide for them. And so especially in your state of California, um, yeah. you know, you're spending yeah. a ton of money on, on services and, you know, it's time to give back. And if they, if they can get a job and give back and be legal, I have no problem. But in general, um, they're draining the, the services out of the taxpayers of that state. 
And this recent daycare uh, situation in Minnesota is a great example of that. You know, they'll start a business and, and claim low income and then get taxpayer dollars and then use that to send back home um, to the families. And then and in this particular case, um, Al-Shabaab in Somalia was getting a cut. Um, so we, the taxpayers end up giving, um, you know, their money to, at, at the end toward terrorism. And my second yeah. point was about what you're saying about, well, we have 11 million here, which is true. And I agree that, you know, this is our, our some of it is our problem because we're letting them in. And that's all the more reason why we need the wall. Um, and it's shown in many other countries, particularly in Israel, that these walls work. They keep, they keep the people that we don't want in, we, they, they keep them out. And we just have to continue to not allow our law to become political. And that's what's been going on here. And that's why there's so many immigrants. Zola, are you back? I'm back, man. Zola. I'm sorry about that. Okay. Joel, I want you to respond to uh, Valerie and then Zola can continue uh, with what he was saying. Well, you, you know, I mean, listen, um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of things there. I'm, listen, I'm not any kind of an expert on these political issues. I'm just talking in my own opinion. I, I'm a I'm a fiscal conservative and I'm a social moderate. <clears throat> I mean, I right. I think that we have to have a certain amount of compassion. Uh, you know, <clears throat> listen, I think that a lot of this goes back to the government and to us. I'm, you know, when I run companies, everything is my fault until it's not my fault anymore. You know. And that's what we have to do. We have to take responsibility. Why is it that people don't speak English? Well, did we demand they speak English? I mean, no, we don't demand they speak English. Do we, do we, we educate their children in Spanish? We, uh, we give them ballots in Spanish. I mean, we, we do things that make it easy for them. So it's not, it's not, you can't put it all on these people. I mean, the people are going to do what you make them do. And if everything is provided to them their way, then that's it. Now, to Valerie's point, uh, the services are a big problem. Uh, the jobs are, are – that, that's one issue. I think that's an easy one to deal with. The services are a big problem, and the federal government uh, has not done its job in protecting the borders, and then it becomes a state's problem, and the states don't have the money to solve the problem. So we have a real problem in the United States. Now, the fact that you know, these people have stuck across the border, you know, I mean, more power to them for, for taking advantage of an opportunity they figured out. I mean, shame on us. For not doing a better job. This is really, it's our problem that we created. Don't blame the people. These people are not bad people. I mean, if, and if they're bad, throw them out and get rid of them. And I don't care if they're citizens or not citizens. If they're bad people, get rid of them. Do something with them. Take them out of our society. They don't belong here. But, you know, I, I just, I don't think that we can say, well, they don't speak English. I don't like them. Uh, they don't do this. I don't like them. They take our jobs. I don't like them. That, that's just, that's not an okay position. Uh, you know, that. To me, that's just not okay. I think that we need to do better and be more compassionate, and we have to take responsibility for what part of this problem is our problem, which is most of it. Most of it's our fault. All right, Zola, well, I want to well, let you respond, Zola. Yeah, I got to push back on something, and I will grant you that you are right that that for many years we didn't do anything. But I have to disagree with you with the notion that oh well. You know, Obama and Bush didn't secure the borders, so, hey, kudos to them for sneaking into our country illegally. No, that's bullshit, man. They, they illegally snuck into our country. Many of these people are on welfare. And like I said, this is what bothers me. I've seen these videos. These are not conspiracy theories. These are DACA recipients. These are illegal 
aliens, and they're not five, four, three years old. The average age is 26. They went in front of the White House, and they protested. Our president held up traffic, okay? They waved Mexican flags. Why didn't they wave American flags? Oh, because we didn't tell them to love America when they came here illegally? I don't care. They should know to come into our country and to assimilate and to, and to start being patriotic and love this country, not, not only their, their uh, foreign country where they, where they were born. I, I'm just so – I understand the compassion, but guess what? We have to start having compassion and common sense for Americans. We can't just keep letting illegal aliens go on welfare and food stamps. California wants to give illegal aliens health insurance. I, 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 I don't have compassion for people because I work with some of these people. It doesn't mean, and some of them are great people. But when they don't even attempt to speak English, it's, our, it's my fault because some weak politician didn't write a law that they have to learn to speak English. No, nonsense. They came here illegally. They did the wrong thing, and they ought to be deported. And if they want to come back, come back the right way, because people are still waiting online to come to come into this country the right way. And another thing that people don't want to talk about is, is America. I know we're all immigrants and all that stuff, but no country has faced such a demographic shift with, with immigration. There's just so many people coming into the country. We have to take a hold. We have to step back and say, wait a minute. We want people to come here, but we want the best and brightest. Just because some stupid politicians and some weak, incompetent presidents allowed this nonsense to happen doesn't mean they all get a free pass. we got to get strong, and, and that's a big reason why Trump got elected. I know it's not easy to deport all these people, but I truly believe it, it, it has to be done, or, or they're just they're never going to learn. They, I see these people. They don't assimilate. They don't assimilate. They're not speaking English. That's it. How can we have a country if we can't communicate? Well, listen, um, I, I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, it's a multi-stage kind of a deal. First step is you got to, uh, you know, prevent illegal people from coming in. So that's number one. I think they've done a pretty good job of slowing that down quite a bit. Number two, we got to figure out how we're going to deal with these 11 million people. It's just, it's not, uh, it is not realistic that you're going to round up these people and you're going to ship them out of the country. It, you know, it, it's not going to happen. It, it, it's, it's not realistic. So there's got to be some solution that works for everyone, and we just have to be okay with it and not let this happen again in the future. The thing is, I think they had an amnesty. Didn't they have an amnesty program under Reagan like 30 years ago? And they said, okay, listen, let's stop this problem. Let's let the people come in, and we're not going yeah. to let them. But and then Joel, it happened all Joel, over again. Joel, real quick, I just want to pause you real quick. Um, so Obama also gave an amnesty uh, offer when he first came in, and a lot of them never came forward because they were scared they were going to get deported. Yeah, right, exactly. That's a, that's a big so problem. Wait, wait, yeah. I have to say something just real quick. You said yeah, we ahead. have to find a solution. You said we have to find a solution that everyone can can agree on. See, that's the part I have a problem. There is no solution to the 11 million that the left or anyone else will be okay with, the, the, the weak Republicans, other than amnesty. That's the only solution that will be pushed, and that's not right. You can't just give everybody a free pass because they've been here. Yeah, well, I don't know what the answer is, guys. I mean, listen, that's um, nobody's nobody's paying me for my opinion on this particular issue. So, I, you know, I don't right. know what to tell you. I mean, it's, I wanna, just, it's it's a hard it's a hard issue. Hey, hey, Joel, I want to get back. You know, I want to get back to you know what your your expertise is a little bit. I wanna 
I want to talk to you a little bit about, you know, the economy at this point in time under under President Trump is is like nothing we've ever seen before, and it's I mean it's even the New York Times, the biased liberal left wing New York <laughs> Times, said they couldn't believe their minds with all the job numbers and job openings. They were like they couldn't believe it, and they hated to admit it. So I mean, do you believe we what could, I mean? You live this every day, and, and you've been, you know, I'm a businessman as well, but you've been a businessman far longer than I have. You have 30, 40 years experience, but from, from you know, how you're living now, the way the economy looks from your standpoint compared to, you know, uh, 10, 20 years ago, I mean, what, what, give, give, me your, give me your thoughts. Well, first of all, you have to understand that there are some fundamental differences in the economy than there was even five or seven years ago. Um, so 10 years ago, you know, these companies start, uh, you know, cleaning house, you know, they start finding themselves in some real, real trouble. So they got really lean. They got really mean. Uh, they fixed up a lot of their situations, and now they're, yeah. uh, they became profitable again. That's the first thing. But the second yeah. thing that happened is that fundamentally there's been a shift in the business model of companies. Do you notice how um, – Microsoft, they don't sell software anymore. Do you know what they do? You know, they, uh, they rate you the software month by month. Uh, Spotify, you know, you don't go to the store and buy music anymore. You rent it month by month. Uh, you know, Audible, same thing. You rent it month by month. Hulu, yeah. Netflix, all these month, companies, month you month. know, yeah. everything's month by month. Now, here's the thing about that. Here's the thing, the reason they're doing it. You think they're doing it because the CFO went to a conference and said, you know, this is really a better way to bring in our money. No, they didn't do it that for that reason. They did it because Wall Street wants them to do that. Wall Street likes the subscription model better than they like the transaction model. So if you're a subscription model business, you're getting a higher valuation. So people say, well, gee, is there going to be another crash? No, there's not going to be another crash because this nope. is the new normal. What's that? No, I was just agreeing with you. There's not going to be another yeah. crash. No, and the reason is that this is this is the new normal. The new normal is is the subscription model and companies that don't have a subscription model boy those are companies that better get to get thinking we do a lot of strategic advisory we help companies get clear on a lot of these issues and if you're a company right. that does not have a subscription model you better really take a hard look because not only is it the way that wall street values things it's the way your bank is valuing things it's the way that everybody buyers of your company if you're a smaller business are going to value you based on the way that you take in your money. So you really need to be paying attention to your business model because it fundamentally has changed uh, for now going forward. And, and if you're not, you know, listen, if you're Campbell's Soup and you're just selling soup at the store, boy, that's, that's a tough gig. That is a really, really uh, tough thing to figure out. So you, but they better put some energy into figuring out what they're going to do. Yeah, go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I'm wondering, I mean, that's really interesting what you just said. And I'm, I'm wondering, though, is it really about the model or is it about the value of the, of the company itself? I mean, when I go well, and buy my stock, I want a value, a high-valued stock that I think is just a good company regardless of how they make their money as long as the value that I'm paying is worth it. Well, you, you may not realize it, but the way the value got uh, determined is based on how they make their money. Certain business models are better, they're more dependable, they're more reliable, they're more predictable, 
than other models. You know, if you're um, if you're let's say a a life insurance agent, you know, and you've got um, residual income, or you're like a one of those property casualty auto insurance salespeople, you know, it takes a while to get your book of business built up, but after a while you've mm-hmm. got uh, you know you've got a thousand customers and you make a hundred dollars on each person every single month or you know whatever whatever it is, you know. Just like it took a long time to build that up, it takes a long time for it to fall off. So let's say a couple of people fall off, a couple of people fall off. It takes years for it to completely go away. It doesn't just unravel in, in, in a weekend. So it's much more stable, much more predictable income, and that makes the business uh, more valuable, and that makes the value higher. And then you come along as a stockholder, and you say, well, this is a pretty good company. I like the valuation. And you say, okay, because it just it has good promise. And that's what the analysts mm-hmm. are looking at. So this is kind of the under the hood thing. It, it's it's kind of under the hood, and you don't necessarily notice it. But mm-hmm. there's been a fundamental shift in the economy away from transactional stuff. And part of the reason is is that computers are really good at banging on your credit card every month. Technology, yeah. all technology. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it just computers are good at banging your credit card, so they make it very easy for them just to hit you every every month for fifteen bucks or twenty bucks or whatever the price is and you know, I mean when I when I look at my stuff, I've got a lot of recurring charts. I mean, five years ago I had zero. There was zero. Now uh you know there there are I don't know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands of dollars of these every single month that are hitting my different cards. You know, I mean we have all these different personal and household subscriptions. I've got business subscriptions. The only subscription you used to have before was a magazine you pay a year or two in advance. Now it's every month yeah. you're getting here, fifteen bucks here and there, fifteen, fifteen, fifteen. It's uh, it's a different world, you know. The world has really changed, and and hey, you know the hey, whole concept of. What's oh, that? Oh, go ahead, keep going. I'm going to ask you something. No, the, you're keep going. The, I didn't mean to cut the, you off. The, no, I like what you're saying. The concept of a shared economy. I mean, we're doing a better job of utilizing resources. I mean, take a look at Uber. I mean, Uber is just a matter of you, you got something in your garage. It's not doing you any good right now. Might as well put it to good use. So they build a software that lets you use your car and make good use of it. You know, I mean, that's that's all Uber is. It's just a way of you using an asset that's not being utilized properly, Airbnb. You're not using the asset. Let somebody else use it and pay for it. You know, and, and mm-hmm. it's very smart. But, but these companies, uh, you know, the matchmaker companies have, have really – uh, they've made it possible for lots of people to do entrepreneurial things. I mean, think about Uber. You know, you talk about jobs. Talk about pretty good paying jobs, twenty, twenty-five dollar an hour jobs. I mean, you know, I mean, I run into Uber drivers all the time that are like, maybe they work another job and they just pick a few extra dollars, but they're saying, hey, listen, I want to take better care of my family. Americans want to take care of their families, and and so anything that helps them do that is something that I think is fantastic, as long as it's a legal, ethical, moral kind of thing. And, you know, if you're going to use your car and uh, drive Uber and you're doing a good job at it and you're, you're a decent person, then more power to you. It's awesome. Now, um, Joel, I, I want, really want to, you know, get into some details and ask you, you know, you've been involved with the Wall Street Journal. You've been involved with Investor da- Investors Daily. You've been involved with Entrepreneur magazine uh, you know tell tell us a little bit about that i know you know you've you've had a lot you you know your history man i mean it's uh it's long it's a novel it's it's big i mean you know it's cool it's really cool well i mean look you know i've I've been a resource to the media for a long time so uh journalists yeah. will call and they'll ask for uh for my opinion on different kinds of things and my comment 
I'm, I'm probably on uh, TV or radio, uh, you know, at least twice a week, every single week. And, you know, I mean, I mean, listen, this week we were talking about uh, Internet sales tax. The week before it was tariffs. The week before that it was the uh, president's tax bill. The week before that it's the budget. I mean, so, you know, we're there's always stuff to talk about. And we just need to, uh, you know, examine these things and see, uh, you know, see what they look like. But the one thing that most people miss is that you know they really fail to understand the hidden agenda, and the media and politicians and everybody else, everybody's got a hidden agenda, and you really have to try to figure out what the hidden agenda is. Why are they doing whatever it is they're doing? Why? And there's almost always a hidden agenda, whether we realize it or not. It might be a little difficult to understand, but it. Uh, and, and by the way, when you kind of figure out what the hidden agenda is, that's one of the things that people strongly disagree about because uh, you know the truth hurts. And so a lot of people don't like to hear what they what what we think the hidden agenda is, uh, because it, it's contrary it, it's contrary to what they would like to think it is. So, so that's that's you know, you know listen, that's my opinion with media. I've been involved in media for a long time. Yeah, very 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 well said. And um, you know it, it's um, you know with, with 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 all with all of what's going on. I mean it, you know it's um, you know there's so much. Um, in terms of, you know, all the financial gains that are happening, I mean, in terms of, you know, the stock market. I mean, talk a little bit about that. I mean, you have a little bit of expertise in that area, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, some, you know, I mean, a little little bit more than uh, than average, but I'm not, you know, uh, I'm not the most, uh, you know, involved guy. Um, you know, like I was saying before, you know, the the, 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 the business models of companies have fundamentally changed. And companies that have a better business model are getting better valuations. Better valuations, uh, you know, are good for everyone. Companies that have uh, worse business models get worse valuations, and eventually they go away. I mean, look at, you know, look at all these different companies that are going away. Sears and other companies, I mean, they, they just can't put two and two together. They're, they're, not, they're not dealing, uh, you know. It, the, the funny thing about it is that, uh, you know, it's like the more they try to save money, the worse they serve the customers. The worse they serve the customers, the faster they go out of business. And it's just it's a downward spiral that they can't they can't stop it. The spiral just keeps going. They can't make it stop. Hey, yeah. I had a, I had a specific question ahead, kind of about the stock market. Why why do you yeah. think that we've seen such you know um, such fantastic markets for investors here recently? Like, is there a specific thing, specific reason? Uh, you know, basically, it's if you you know if you look at all of you know like the S and P five hundred and the Dow, it's been like a straight line, uh, you know, not straight line up, but it's clearly been up. What's like yeah. the dominating factor in that? Would you say? Well, I, I like I said before uh, earlier in the show, uh, economics is largely a behavioral science, and there's been a lid on the pot. You know, under under President Obama. Uh, in, investors and business people did not know what was going to happen next. They, there was a lot of uncertainty. They, they didn't know what regulation was going to come. They didn't know uh, how things were going to affect them and their businesses. They didn't know what the tax situation was going to be. As soon as President Trump got elected, there was a lot more calm in the markets because uh, they had a lot of confidence that this president was going to be a pro-business president. And so when he came in office, uh, and you can look at the charts, and it's 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 almost like a self-explanatory story. Yeah. I mean, the day he took yeah. office, the market just started going up, and and it went straight up for uh, for 12 months in a row. Well, actually, for way more than 12 months in a row, uh, it went up for probably uh, 15 months in a row, and went up uh, you know 20 
20, 25%. I mean, it, it went up a remarkable amount. And so, uh, you know, the market has, uh, you know, there just, there was a lot of pressure that people wanted to let the market go up, but, but they just were afraid to. And as soon as the new president came in, I think a lot of that pressure just got released and people just started buying and, uh, and let, letting loose of the money and letting, uh, letting the market just start to win. You know, they started uh, feeling better about things. And so it's really a reflection of how citizens feel about the the economy, about their level of confidence, because when people are more confident, they spend more and they do the things they're supposed to do. So do you anticipate that it's just going to continue this way as long as Trump is doing the right thing and, you know, making the laws simpler? Well, it's not, it's not going to keep going. At it's not going to yeah, it's not going to keep going at 20, 25%. Yeah, but I, I think that there was a tremendous amount of backlog that just needed to be absorbed. And now it's going to keep going up at a, at a good, steady pace. I mean, I think that, you know, and, and it never goes up perfectly steady. It, it, it zigzags up and down. But I think right. that we're in for a nice, uh, I think for a long time, I don't see any reason why things are going to go upside down. You know, I, I just, uh, interest rates are still pretty low. Uh, you know, unemployment numbers are good. Uh, you know, inflation is, um, I don't know, to me it feels like there's a little more inflation in the economy than, than they say, but, uh, you know, but right. that's, just, uh, that's just me, you know. So um, now, I, I think that I your, think things are going pretty good. Now, jo- now, Joel, what are your thoughts on, you know, you see Trump bringing all these American jobs back from overseas. You see all these <clears throat> even new here in opening shop and doing all this uh, things because of the uh, corporate tax uh, cut, and you know, there's a lot of relief with uh, with the tax laws now, and, and businesses have a lot more capabilities and a lot more leverage. I mean, what what are your thoughts on that? Well, you got to remember that some some jobs and some work and some some uh, activities are better than other activities, and we want us to keep focused on good activities. You know, yep. uh, in, 19, in 1992, you guys may not remember this, but uh, Ross Perot was running for president, and, and I forget who he was running against. Uh, one, there was a primary debate or something, and, and somebody said, you know, what difference does it make, you know, if we make uh, potato chips or computer chips? And, and, and Ross Perot went into this whole thing about why potato chips, there's no margin in potato chips, and there's a lot of margin in, in semiconductors and computer chips. And, and that's an important lesson that we have to remember is that there are certain there's certain businesses that are higher margin, better use kind of things. You know, in real estate, you always talk about highest and best use. If you've got land that's zoned for a, for a high-rise commercial office building, you don't build a little house there. You know, that, that just <laughs> no one would ever do that. But in the economy, we do that all the time. And, and that is really a mistake, you know. If, so we have to really think. Uh, just having jobs is not the goal. The goal is to have really good jobs, really high-quality jobs. Now, that begs another question. Do we have citizens that are up for the job? You know, do we, are, are, they, are they capable of high-quality jobs? Well, that's that's a different story. I mean, our education system leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, you know, we have, uh, you know, we have unions that fight and, and don't want the people to work too hard. And, uh, you know, I think that our citizens need to work harder. I think our companies need to work harder. I think that everybody needs to have a better attitude and, and we need to stop fighting over all this petty crap and we need to get along better and, uh, and, and we need to, you know, produce better for the common good. 
And the guys at the top, the CEOs, they need to do, maybe they need to share a little better. Maybe instead of taking 10 million, maybe they take 8 million and they spread some other money around other people. You know I mean? I just, I think that we all have to do a better job of, uh, of, of making all of us better off because the only way the company of the country is going to be great is if we all win. You can't have a few people win and, and the rest of people not win. I mean, that's not a win. That's not the country being great. The country's only great if everybody wins. And we really we really have to have a different attitude. Right, absolutely, 100%. And, you know, it, it's, um, you know, what I, what I do want to say is the fact that, you know, even – it was crazy today. There was an article came out. You know, you know Warren Buffett's. You know, as far left as they get, he's a big Hillary Obama supporter. And even Warren Buffett came out and started praising the economy today. Yeah, under well, Trump. <laughs> well, so, it, you know, it's, it's working. You know, it's working, and it's only been five hundred days. I mean, he's still he's still got two and a half years more, so it's uh, oh, it's quite extraordinary. Oh, he's, oh, he's got six he's got six years left, man. He's gonna do two things. <laughs> don't you, don't well, you I, hate, I hate to say whoa, it, but whoa, uh, whoa, 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 Joel, you disagree? No, 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 I'm not. No, no, <laughs> no, I don't disagree. I'm, I'm just, I thought you might disagree. No, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm laughing only because uh, you know, again, I'm just focused on one thing at a time. But I think you're yeah. probably right. I, I think that, uh, you know, the Democrats are going to support this president because at the end of the day, uh, the rhetoric is, is, you know, you can take the rhetoric and you can flush it down the toilet. At the end of the day, people want to take care of their families. And if he's yeah. helping them take care of their families, then he's going to, uh, he's going to be the one that wins. No matter, you know, nobody cares who he sleeps with. Nobody cares what he does. I, I wish he was a little more of a gentleman, but you know what? That's not my business. I don't really care, you know? There's all this discussion You're about right. decency. You know, there was a whole discussion uh, today about decency, that we're not decent anymore. Well, you know what? Uh, this country has spent 400 years being a Puritan country, and, and maybe maybe we need to move a little bit away from that. And we need to just, I mean, we need to be decent in a different way. Maybe decency, uh, we don't need to be so, uh, so Puritan about everything. Maybe we need to think about decency, right. about more like courtesy and manners than, than, than foul language. By no, the way, Zolo, Zolo, go ahead. Courtesy can be helping so, other people with their charity. You know, we can help each other leg up, bring them a leg up, instead of, uh, you know, worrying about what one word here, one word there. That's not my issue. You know, how is how is Trump making the bottom line better for every American? And like yeah. you've just been saying this whole time, he's making it better because the stock market's going up, so people are making more money. There are more jobs. There are more people employed. He's bringing back more businesses from, from foreign countries. He's lowering the tax rate. All of these things mean that Trump's going to be reelected because he's helping the country and the people in the country prosper. Yeah, yeah, there you go. And, and not only that, but he's, he's repatriated billions of dollars. Exactly. Just real quick, I wanted to say um, – the politicians that are gentlemen and come off as, you know, the nicest guys are the most perverted uh, freaks <laughs> that there are. You know, is, is, so, that, uh, is, that, about, is that pathetic or what? But that's true. Yeah. Yeah, it's about time we had a, a warrior, a uh, politically incorrect guy who said some things. Uh, I love his rhetoric, by the way. I guess I would... I guess you could say I'm Trump's base. You know the, the his, you know the media always says 
he's throwing red meat to his base. Yeah, that's me. I like when Trump goes wild. I like when he tells off the media. Me too, I've been Zolo. waiting for a president. That's right. I've been waiting for a president, a politician, but let alone a president, go after the fake media that that smears him every day. I think I think most Americans uh, actually are are happy the the way Trump is. I I understand when you say gentlemen and everything, but I, I think at the end of the day, it's time for a a a um a badass, a guy who just will take on everyone at the same time. Take on the whole NFL, take on Hollywood, take on the whole media establishment, and win every time. I think it's yeah. about time, man. You know, I, I, I used to sit around and think, you know, I'll tell you, six or eight years ago, ten years ago, I used to sit around and think, you know, we got these massive deficits. I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, but I used to think to myself that this can't go on for 50 more years. Something is going to happen. And that something might have been Donald Trump. You know, maybe maybe he's the something that, right. that changes uh, the course of the of the history of the United States for the better. And not only and the United the way, States, but foreign, foreign as well. I mean, what he's done to reshape the Middle East is unbelievable. And, yeah, and it's yep, just going to yeah. continue. And, and, and the Korean Peninsula. set out some dominoes that are just going to continue falling. Yeah, Korea too. So, absolutely. Exactly, exactly. Josh and Josh, I want you to respond, and then Zolo, I know you have something to say. Yeah, no, I mean, this is it's the it's the same old, same old that they've that we've been dealing with, you know, with this this whole deal. Honestly, I don't really have a whole lot more to say about this. I know Zolo wants to definitely get his opinion on this. So go ahead. Well. Uh, well, I just wanted to continue with what I was saying was uh, I, I just wanted to reiterate something real quick. Um, when I said Trump takes on the NFL, I want everyone to understand that if, there, if any other Republican president beat Trump, they wouldn't have. But let's say in, the, you know, in a dream, one of them beat Trump, they were president, they would not have, excuse my language, the balls to take on the whole NFL and say you stand that flag. That's just something like that is why Trump was elected because he has he just he just says what he wants and most of the time most people with brains agree with him and when i was saying about the republicans that keep going against him just today just today jeff flake and bob porker these pathetic wimps are are uh, putting out a new bill in the senate to try and pull back Trump's tariff um, executive orders. They're trying to, you know, pull him back yep. a little bit. This is what the man's dealing with. I mean, he's dealing with two parties that are against him. It's not the Republican Party anymore under Donald Trump. He took over. It's the Trump Party, and these people better get, start get waking up and get on the train because it's not going to stop. Trump ain't going anywhere. And I think most Americans are proud and happy at the stance he makes with the NFL, he takes on Hollywood when they have award shows and they just rip them. And, and I'm happy he takes <laughs> on the media. I've been waiting for this. All this stuff, these things, and by the way, the policies are the best, but, but these side stuff, I think most people agree with me, and they're happy, and they're, they want a warrior, a fighter. And I just I love Trump, man, and I, and I think he's going to be the greatest president in American history. I really do think he will go down that way. 
Hallelujah. Amen. Joel. Yeah. I want to. So what else um, you guys? What else you guys want to know, man? Yeah, I want to. Before you go, I want to. You know, I want to wrap it up. But I, you know, I want to thank you. And, and you know, if there's anything you need to, um, uh, you know, announce, I want to. You know, your obviously your website, different businesses, projects you have going on. You know, you what's currently uh, you're doing in your life. Well, listen. You know, I, I mean, uh, there's a lot of info about us at uh, bullseyecap.com. So bullseyecap, short for capital. dot com. Um, you know, I speak to audiences. I, I I help real estate guys learn how to raise capital. So there's a lot of things that we're involved in, and a lot of different kinds of projects. And you know, um, I mean, if uh, people are interested, they're welcome to reach out. You know, but in the meantime, hey, uh, I, I I love Joe. doing this kind of stuff. Yeah. Make me come on, man. Make me make me proud and happy before you leave. Build the wall. Build the wall. Yes or no? Um. Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah, I, I'll tell you what. You know, uh, I what? saw something funny on this. I saw something funny, and it said uh, they haven't finished building the wall in uh, Southern California yet, so there's still time for people in California to get out. <laughs> That's hilarious. So you know what? You know what, guys? I just uh, I have mixed feelings about it. Uh, you know, I, I I have mixed feelings. So. You know, and uh, we hear you. We respect that. And, thank you know, we want to thank you for your time. Um, you know, Joel Block, everybody, very successful businessman. Um, and, uh, you know, we're very happy to have him on. Thank you, sir. Um, and I'll have you back soon, man. Always a pleasure. All right, man. Listen, guys, thank you very much, and uh, we'll be in touch. Take care. All right, man. Cheers. Bye, guys. Build the Bye. wall, man. Joel Block, everybody. I want to welcome to the show our very – famous next guest, Josh Bernstein, political strategist, activist, and popular talk show host. He's got some big revelations for some big stuff to reveal to us. He's got some big stuff to expose. He's got a lot to talk about. Josh, how are you, my friend? And you can find his show, actually, on Amazon, YouTube. He's on Hulu. He's all over the Internet. Look him up. He's all great stuff. He's interviewed some big people, Ben Shapiro, Milo Yiannopoulos. Uh, Corey Lewandowski, all the they're big, big people, everybody in D.C. So he's a big deal right now. We're happy to have him on. Thank you, Josh. Uh, how are you, man? Great to be back on the program with you. What's uh, what's going on? What isn't going on is more the question. Uh, I mean, you know, take your pick. There's so many different things and so many different topics. And you've got the North Korea summit that's going to be coming soon. You've got yep. Cave now <clears throat> trying. to uh, you know, uh, possibly flip, which would be really, really yep. good. Uh, so he's now possibly going to start talking. You've got the IG report uh, supposedly coming out here pretty soon. So there's a lot. There's a lot going on. Absolutely. And we were talking about North Korea earlier. You know, I want your take on that because I know you did a, a, a. You know, you put this in one of your segments. So I want to know your thoughts on this. My thoughts are that uh, this is textbook art of the deal. This is what this Absolutely. is. Knowing when to hold them, knowing when to fold them, knowing when to be forceful, knowing when to pull back a little bit, uh, canceling the summit, then making you know, the North Koreans squirm. Uh, everything that you're seeing is textbook art of the deal from his book. And uh, it's pretty interesting to know that the President of the United States is actually using 
his um, best-selling book for you know geopolitical uh, problem solving, and so I think it's pretty interesting. Um, I I basically think that one of the sticking points here is the fact that the North Koreans want uh, America to pull out of Japan and pull troops out of South Korea in order for them to dismantle their program. Well, that's a non-starter because we're not right. going to remove troops from uh via from not Vietnam but uh from South Korea and and certainly not from Japan because again we've got to keep an eye on these rogue regimes uh in North Korea and you can even call China for that matter. And so I don't know what's going to happen from the summit. I would I would assume that the talks will be ongoing. I certainly don't see this as a one-and-done type situation. I see this as an opening for dialogue. And as President Trump has already said, that if the dialogue and the summit goes well, that uh, he'll actually have Kim Jong-un here in the United States to visit him at the White House. If that happens, that is absolutely historical. That is Mount Rushmore type stuff. Skip the Nobel Peace Prize. That's Mount Rushmore type stuff. And I think that, uh, you know, we can we can squeeze them because, again, they have no leverage. They completely would fall apart if it wasn't for China. We are already squeezing China. We're just giving uh, XT or ZTE uh, cell phone company a billion-dollar fine. Uh, God bless Wilbur Ross and, and, and the uh, Department of Commerce. He's great. He's been fantastic. Yeah, you know, if there was ever a real true hero of the cabinet, uh, Wilbur yeah. Ross has been that hero. He deserves Absolutely. that award. He's been fantastic right from the beginning. So, look, I think things are are, uh, are happening in, in a good way. Um, you know, the trade wars, this is something we Josh, want. Josh, the trade war quick, is Josh, something that we can win. Josh, real quick, I want to go to North – I want to talk to you about North Korea real quick. So, you know, who deserves a lot of credit, and I think who's done a hell of a job uh, strategic-wise and just with – uh, setting all of this up and, and, and coordinating is Mike Pompeo. Unbelievable. He's an amazing uh, guy and what a true patriot. And, you know, I also want to say Dennis, the best rebounder in history, Rodman, the worm, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, very, the very first American to ever meet Kim Jong-un. He's been over there like five or six times. Uh, you know, it's Rodman's going over there, which is uh, – which is pretty cool um, and exciting, and it's going to be like I can't wait to see this live on TV. But what what are your thoughts on all this? Well, look, Dennis Rodman is a freak. Uh, he's uh, I wouldn't even call him a patriot. I wouldn't call him a patriot because here's the thing: if he was a patriot, he would say, "Hey, Kim, it's nice to see you again. I understand that you like basketball." But when are you going to stop starving your people? When are you going to allow freedom of speech? When are you going to allow freedom of expression? When are you going to allow these people to to go out and, and, and do whatever they want and have a, a dissension um, among the ranks and, and be able to voice their opinions? When are you going to allow those things to happen? Now, when are you going to if free Kim the American truly person? likes Dennis Rodman, he's now, not going to kill him. He's now, just going to say, well, you're, I don't know, you know. Real, real quick, and I want you to continue, Josh, but here's how I see it. Dennis Rodman knows him personally, so I think that's going to help Trump a lot. Dennis can talk to Trump about what Kim's like, you know, what Kim's antics are, what, you know, you know just certain things like that, you know what I mean? Give him some in- insight. 
Well, trust look, him. I would say it's a non-starter. I mean, if we're if we're getting diplomatic relations uh, feedback from a green-haired, six-foot-ten uh, basketball player, former retired basketball player, then I don't think we're on solid footing, to be quite honest. But Josh, he's the only one that has spent all that time with him. I mean, he he knows him personally. Well, you know what we should do then is have you seen the movie The Interview with uh, Seth Rogen yeah. and uh, yep. and the other guy? Well, you know how they put that thing in in the guy's hand and they were supposed to shake his hand and it was supposed to kill the leader. Well, maybe we yeah. ought to give that to Dennis and let Dennis take care of it. Yeah, Dennis. Yes, yes. I uh, I crack up. I I think this is hilarious that Dennis is going over there. I think it's great. I if De- what if what if Dennis is named the ambassador to North Korea? What do you think? Yeah, right. That would be an interesting <laughs> job title. <laughs> Can you imagine the media outrage? Well, look, if Dennis really wants to do anything good for humanity, he will somehow convince Kim Jong Un to uh, to not starve his people to death and execute right. people that, uh, you know, say anything bad about his regime or, and all that other stuff. I believe that he's got a prime opportunity. I mean, he's got an opportunity that nobody else really has. And he's yep. talked to him. He knows him personally. He needs to take advantage of that. Instead of going out there and talking about basketball and music and movies, you know, do some diplomacy. Try to get this guy, you know, to uh, stop killing his own people and, and – you know, not giving them medical <laughs> he fed help his own uncle the dog. food and everything. Huh? Yeah, stop he feeding fed your own uncle, uncle the, the dog. dog. <laughs> yeah. That's terrible. I mean, I'm laughing because it's not because it's funny because it's appalling. I mean, the kind of stuff it's out of a movie, the kind of stuff that Kim Jong-un has put people through. Let's be clear, yeah, though. Well, Let's be clear. Uh, look, the only I, reason I think Trump's bringing – go ahead, man. You have to understand that North Korea teaches their people that the Americans are bloodthirsty savages that are lurking in their closet and hiding under their bed ready to slit their throats. This is the type of mentality that the government has instilled in the North Korean people. It's called Juche. It's a form of Stalinist ideology. And so that's why these people are brainwashed, and that's basically what they think is going on. So when we ended the North Korean War, you know, the Korean War, we never ended the war. We did a, an armistice agreement, which was basically a ceasefire in 1953. I've been saying for years, even when Kim Jong-il was alive, I've been saying America needs to put out the olive branch and say, look, we're not at war with you, okay? It's been over for years. We'll, we're willing to sign a declaration to end the war under these conditions. You open up uh, Amnesty International and you know and uh, relief efforts for people to come in and doctors to come in to take care of your people. You uh, you stop incarcerating people in these labor camps and you completely break down your nuclear program. And if you do all that, we'll sign an agreement that we're not at war with you and we'll help you and help you get established and uh, you know and even help you economically in other ways. But that's what the you know, that's what the Trump administration needs to do. And it's funny because now the South Korean leader and the North Korean leader have talked about doing a truce and, uh, you know, eventually just, you know, putting an end, a declaration, if you will, to the war. And, you know, we have Japan. 
Oh, go ahead. What do you think the odds are that, that this can happen? Because to me, it seems really, really good. Like, I think this could really happen. And then, you know, maybe three or four more meetings. I think I think it could. Um, I think that, uh, you know, right now they see each other as cartoon characters. They've never met face-to-face. So when they get a chance to see each other face-to-face and body language and all that other stuff, who knows? Maybe they'll, you know, maybe they'll become, you know, um, I guess uh, I don't want to say friends because that's not really the word, but maybe respectable enemies, and maybe at that point they'll understand that it's a stalemate. Is that appropriate to say? Yeah, and and they can figure out a way to work together towards a diplomatic solution between the two countries. I mean, obviously that would be best, but we also need to let them know that we're not playing around. You know, this is how it's going to be, and if you don't disarm, we're going to disarm you. Right, and, you know, Kim Jong-un is – apparently now worried for his life because, uh, you know, there's big reports out that uh, he doesn't he's, – he's, like, worried. He's not acting like the tough guy that he's supposed to be acting like. Yeah. That's good. That means Trump intimidated him. Exactly, exactly. I mean, it's – you know, it, this, this, is, this is good. This is getting good. You know what I really – I, I want to shift topics with you, Josh. Um, yeah. You know – what, what what's really you know exciting, and we were talking about earlier briefly in the program, and I know you have a lot of information and inside sources about this, is the uh, Inspector General report that will be coming out about Hillary Clinton on Trump's birthday. Please uh, elaborate and talk about uh, what you know, because I know you've uh, been doing a lot of uh, research on this and uh, doing a lot of uh, stuff on this. Well, I haven't heard that it's going to be coming out directly on his birthday, although that would it be did, interesting it if just, it did. Just announced, just announced a few hours ago. Was it? Okay, gotcha. Um, I think that you're going to find that Comey became a rogue agent, basically, of the FBI, uh, didn't follow protocol, um, yep. and I think that uh, maybe there will be some criminal recommendations for him. I think you're also going to find out that uh, that Clapper and Brennan – behind the scenes and their um if if they know about this which i'm sure they do project uh project hammer which was basically a way to spy on um the trump administration hopefully that comes out um the fact that uh hillary clinton was exonerated without even you know sitting down and meeting with her uh the fact that they interviewed uh cheryl mills and Uma Abedin, and they were not under oath. I think a lot of that is going to come out. I think you're also going to see um, Peter Stroke and Lisa Page and the text messages. By the way, those text messages were found in the IG report. That's where they first surfaced. Um, So we'll see what happens. Look, I I hope that it's not window dressing. I hope that it has some teeth, and I hope that uh, it exposes uh, a lot of these uh, deep state officials. What about Andrew McCabe and his immunity? Please, uh, this, you know, you've, uh, I, want, yeah. I want your thoughts on that because you've been paying a lot of attention to that. Well, look, I am all for giving Andrew McCabe immunity and no jail time and let him get off totally scot-free if it brings down Comey and it brings down Obama and it brings down Hillary and it brings down Brennan and it brings down Lynch and it brings down Rice. You know, if we can get, you know, a half dozen of these creeps uh, and he turns on all of them, 
I mean, you know, he's got to worry about being Arkansas, I guess, after that. But uh, I think ultimately, yeah, I mean, why not? I'd give him, I'd give him a, a ticker take parade, at, you know, in the Macy's Day Thanksgiving Day parade if he takes down six to eight deep state officials like that. So we'll see what happens. Um, I worry that he's going to do what every Democrat does, which is plead the fifth and uh, waste everyone's time and taxpayer money doing congressional hearings when they just don't answer any questions. I really think they need to change that somehow. I understand that everybody has the right to plead the fifth, but when you're that guilty, there needs to be some kind of penalty for it. You can say, okay, fine, you can plead the fifth. However, if we find the evidence you know, that uh, is overwhelming, you can still be held accountable or something. We need to come up with some kind of deviation from that because it's totally unfair. All these officials are doing it. They did it all throughout every single scandal of the Obama administration. And by the way, Barack Obama is the only president in, in the last probably 30, 40 Very years Chitaro. since Clinton that never, ever, ever met with an independent counsel. Hey, never Josh, had an independent Josh. counsel. What, Josh, what really bothers me? Go go ahead, Josh. Josh what I didn't really bother you off. Me. Were you done? Josh, I didn't mean yeah, to I'm cut done, you off. Were you done? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, go what ahead. What really is bothering me? Yeah, what really is uh, is bothering me really bad is we keep and I understand that it's hard to get to him, but none of this would have happened without Obama. Obama is behind all of this. And I really, really wish we could get to him. He's been awfully quiet lately, other than saying he yep. has a scandal-free administration constantly. But he's behind everything. Clapper, Comey, Brennan, this is all by Barack Obama. He was the one who tried to ultimately take down the now president of the United States uh, to, let, to help Hillary Clinton become president. And I really think uh, it's a shame that he's going to get off scot-free. Uh, do, you think, do you think he will, right? Uh, you know, look, I, I mean, it, it's hard to see as much as I'd love to see it happen, you know, to see a former president yeah. in shackles and handcuffs. Um, <laughs> I just don't think, unfortunately, that p- presidents like that get treated that way, which is unfair because with everything that he's done to fundamentally transform America into a banana republic, he deserves that. He probably deserves to be hanged by the neck. But the bottom line here right. is I think that there's going to be some fall guys. If you look at Fast and Furious, for instance, uh, Eric yep. Holder never never got, you know, reprimanded. He was held in contempt, but he was never, you know, stripped of any of his, you know, job titles or anything. And instead they went and they blamed everything on the attorney general in Arizona and the attorney general in San Diego. So those were the ones that got fired. Those are the ones that took the fall. And squeaky clean Eric Holder and Barack Obama can just wash, you know, wash their hands, wash their hands from having any uh, any dirt on them. And that's unfortunate. And so, I think you're looking at the person. If uh, if they don't grant him immunity, I would say that McCabe is certainly going to be someone that should be uh, a fall guy. In other words, uh, if he ends up going to prison for a couple of years then Trump and the administration can say, look, see, I drained the swamp. Well, you didn't really drain the swamp. You just removed them from the deep end and you put them in the kiddie pool where we can keep a better eye on them. Here's the thing, Josh. What I really want to say is, you know, with, with, with what's going on with 
all the prosecutions that need to be made. And, you know, Jeff Sessions is nowhere to be found. And now there's rumors that Janine Pirro might take over as attorney general. I mean, I would would hope so. Please, 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 God, Where did you hear that? Because I haven't heard that rumor. I haven't heard that. That's amazing. She wants to – it was on – I can send you the article. It was either on Fox News or Washington Examiner or one of those uh, But earlier. And she's been, I think she's been talking to uh, some insiders in the White House. I don't know if it's Trump directly, but there is, uh, th- there is a lot of interest in her wanting that job. Anyone that's ever watched wow. any of my shows, even before he picked a VP, yeah. I've been saying Janine Pirro would be the yep. perfect person to be the attorney yep. general. I've been saying it for, honestly... Almost about a year and a half now, and I have record and proof of it in past videos. She would be dynamic. There is no bigger ferocious attack dog against the Clintons than Jeanine Pirro. Nobody. And she would not play games at all. She'd have every single one of these people, you know, doing the perp walk, you know, within 90 days. I mean, she would be absolutely amazing in that position. So I I haven't heard this rumor and, uh, gosh, I hope it's true, man. I've been talking about Sessions needing to go for probably eight months now as well. And, you know, just, just the thought of, uh, Andrew, you know, Andrew McCabe being one of the biggest officials, uh, you know, in the FBI, and he, the fact that he he's going to prison and he was supposed to be somebody overlooking the law and enforcing the law, but instead all of this secretive and malicious and corrupt activity. I mean, can you believe it? Well, yeah, I can believe it. I mean, look what happened yeah. with uh, his wife, Jill, and her Senate Right, the, the donation from you know, Hillary. $700,000 that yep. they from Hillary. put into it. From Hillary. Yep. I mean, and also from uh, Terry McCullough, uh, what's his name, uh, Governor uh, McAuliffe as well. Yeah, I mean, it's sick. It really is sick. And, you know, the, the, all this establishment, you know, it, 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 it's gross. It, it's terrible. Um, and it, it's really getting out of control. You know what I really want to ask you about? And, you know, real quick, Josh or Zolo, do you want to or, – or Valerie, you have any thoughts real quick? I want to – you have about seven minutes left. Ask, I want, you go ahead. Thank you. Josh, I wanted to ask you really quickly, if all the evidence comes out in these hearings, do you think the Republicans will have enough chutzpah to go through with it and actually put these people away? You know, that's a good question. I mean, think about the 13 hours that they spent with Hillary Clinton and, you know, what difference does it make and and all that other stuff. And, you know, everyone was touting Trey Gowdy as this incredibly strong, ferocious person. Well, guess what? Hillary's still walking around freely uh, in upstate New York. Trey Trey Gowdy's just like Jeff Sessions. He's part of the establishment, I think. He's evil. I mean, at, at one point I thought he was, he was a patriot. Yeah, at the beginning he was such a patriot. And then what happened? I don't know. Uh, I really, I mean, he's not running for re-election, so. Somebody's paying you know, him. Maybe that's another part of it. I, I, I don't know what the hell is going on, but a change of mindset all of a sudden from Gowdy is, is awfully, awfully odd, I can tell you that much. Um, Great. You know, what, what I really want to, you know, get to and really ask, you know, Stormy Daniels 
the hoe is uh, filing a lawsuit, the porn star, um, is filing a lawsuit against her former attorney and Michael Cohen, Trump's attorney. And we all know this has to do with the scumbag Michael Avenatti is putting this all together. And I know you did a big piece about Michael Avenatti on your show about a week or two ago, I think, Josh, it was. But yeah. please, uh, like, you know, go. I want you to talk about this issue. It's ridiculous. Well, look, uh, yeah, it, it is ridiculous. And, you know, I can only speculate what Michael Avenatti is getting as far as payment from Stormy he Daniels. Um, Uh-oh. Yeah. We we'll, 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 keep that, we we'll keep that PG. But, look, I, I think, you know, this is a, a, a race car driver, ambulance chaser, just a real, real piece of work. Just and wants uh, he's been sued by almost everybody that he's ever been associated with. Uh, actors in Hollywood have sued him for his coffee yep. thing that he did. He owed all this money, and then at the last minute to to get away from the publicity, he ended up paying it real quick to, to kind of solve it. He's just a, a real piece of work, truly. And, uh, you know, he's, you know, $5 million in the hole in taxes. His yep. wife left him. He, he's a disaster, that guy. And all I can say is the more he talks, the better it is for Trump. Yep. He's a moron when he talks. He talks Total too much. Idiot. He opens his mouth. He loves the publicity. And that's all this is, this publicity stunts, period. They don't have anything. They know they don't. They just want to keep out, keep coming out and keep getting attention. Yeah, I'm looking at this article. Uh, Piro blasts AG Sessions, calls him the most dangerous man in America. That was from two weeks ago. And then it says Fox News host Janine Pirro tells Trump aides she wants to be the next attorney general. She should have been go. the attorney general right off the bat, Don't. January 20th. She should have been Don't sworn in that day. Zolo, I know you want to respond. Uh, well, I think that she would uh, be much better than Jeff Sessions. By the way, the thing that's bothered me about Jeff Sessions is that he's like – He's, like, nowhere to be found. Like, where is Jeff Sessions? What is he doing? Where are you, Mr. McGoo? <laughs> you know, I used to have a lot of patience with him because, you know, I always used to say he's the first guy who came out when everybody took Trump as a joke, you know, and he endorsed them in that football field. And I gave him a lot of leadway. But, I mean, now it's to the point where, like, where where is he? He's I mean, all this stuff going on in the Attorney General of the United States – should have President Trump's back every day, and he's nowhere to be found. I don't know what happened to him. You know, and yeah. he was a great senator. He really was. Like he was. He was the, the fifth most voted, conservative senator in in the ratings. So he was excellent. He was a reliable conservative reformer type, you know, person in the Senate. And the worst part is, yep. not only did we get right. a horrible AG that's doing absolutely nothing, but we also we lost the flat. Senate seat. Right. Yeah. We got two minutes. We got about two minutes. Two minutes left. So hurry. Session uh, Liberty score as senator. It was like an eighty-nine. It was like almost ninety. That's like unheard of. Mm -hmm. Hey, I just don't know where he is. I just—it's a shame. Yeah, I mean, Jeff Sessions has lost his mind. That's for sure. We have about a minute left, but Josh, I want. I want you to, uh, you know, say your advertisements, and then Zolo, you can say your stuff, your give your plugs sure. about, you know, your Twitter and social media, and everybody else can. But Josh Burson, go ahead first. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, the group is uh, is known as AMAC, uh, the Association of Mature American Citizens, the conservative alternative to AARP. Um, and it's a, a group for seniors 50 years of age and older, and they have all the same types of products and services that AARP would have. The only difference is they're the conservative group. They're not liberal. So check us out at amac.us or call toll-free 888-262-2006. Again, 888-262-2006. Tell them you heard uh, a, uh, talking about AMAC uh, on the Rory Souter Show, and you'll get a free membership, absolutely free membership. Just mention the Rory Souter Show and that you heard about AMAC on that show, and you'll get a free membership. Uh, if folks want to learn about me, they can look up my Wikipedia site. You can download my free app on Android or iPhone. Uh, and also you can go to Amazon TV and you can see the show streaming episodes right now, as well as YouTube Perfect. and pretty much anywhere else. All right, Josh Bernstein, always a pleasure. We'll talk to you soon, man. Thanks. Thank we'll talk you, to you next Thursday. Thank you. All right, buddy. Cheers. Zolo. Uh, uh, my co-host, as always, give uh, any any shout-outs you want, your Twitter. Right on. Uh, give me a follow at, on Twitter, at Mike underscore Zolo, Z-O-L-L-O. Thanks. And, uh, and, and Josh, go ahead real quick. Yeah, just give me a follow at uh, on Instagram, at J-O-S-H-H-L-A-V-A-T-Y. Perfect. Perfect. And Valerie, go ahead. Real quick. Uh, BackyardCaliphate.com, um, and the book is Backyard Jihad on Amazon.com. Perfect. And I'm Rory Sauter. You can, you can visit my store, TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com. Again, that's TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com. You can also visit RorySauter.tv. Visit, and you can also visit uh, GetYourCom. Again, that's GetYourAppBuilt.com. I want to thank all of my special guests, Joel Block, Josh Bernstein, Valerie Greenfield, Mike Zolo, Josh. I want to thank everyone, everybody, all my audience. It's been a pleasure. Uh, we will be back next week. I hope you all have a great weekend. I'm Rory Sauter. God bless everybody. Cheers. <laughs>